HRN listeners. As we celebrate our 15th year, we are deepening our commitment to giving voice to the next generation of food system storytellers, and we need your help. Our internship and fellowship programs help activate new possibilities for underrepresented and underestimated young people through experiential journalism, audio engineering, and production training. Through these unique programs, HRN helps food equity stewards build essential workforce readiness skills that expand their potential and foster economic mobility. Please consider supporting these critical programs. And with a minimum donation, you can be entered to win a dinner for two at an amazing restaurant in one of eight cities and tickets to a concert at a great venue in one of those cities. We have incredible partners across the country who have donated as they also share our passion for helping to educate the next generation of food system storytellers. Check out heritageradionetwork.org 15 to donate and enter to win today. That's heritageradionetwork.org 15 to donate and enter to win today. And make sure you donate before March 31st. Thank you. You're listening to Heritage Radio Network. Since 2009, HRN podcasts have been exploring the wide world of food, beverage, and agriculture. Learn more at heritageradionetwork.org. This episode is brought to you by 818 Tequila. Handcrafted, expert approved, with over 20 international blind tasting awards. 818 Tequila, imported by 818 Spirits, Manhasset, New York, 40% alcohol by volume. Drink responsibly. So you don't shun the devil with your rock and roll load. Knows that country music's gonna save your soul. The Welcome back to the Speakeasy. I'm Damon Bolte. I'm Souther Teague. And I'm Greg Benson. I missed you guys. Boys, back in, back in the too. Group. Yeah. It has been a, a crazy five weeks. Yeah, yeah. Happy summer break, everybody. Yeah, indeed. Yeah, anything. Uh, how many bars have you opened since the last time we did the show, Souther? Technically, Damon, no bars. But I did oh. open two new venues. Uh, <laughs> one is called Rabbit, and it's a 12-seat uh um, tasting menu that is all raw. Mm. Uh, and then uh, we opened up uh, just last Wednesday, one week ago, we opened Fragile Flower, F-L-O-U-R, a pun just for you, Damon. And nice. it's an all pastry um, and wine bar. Very cool. So when you say, the, the diff- when you're differentiating between venues and bars here, these mm. are, these aren't, what you're saying is they're not alcohol forward, but they are still places where you are in charge of the booze, Yes. Yeah, and service points, and you know, I kind of do a little bit of ops direction as well. You know, I I worked Fragile Flowers first three nights um, to set up steps of service and create the flow pattern and things like that. So I don't know, I have my hand in a lot of parts. Um, but Fragile Flowers all wine, and so is Rabbit for that matter. Though Rabbit has two um, cocktails that are based on wine because they don't have a bar and they don't have ice. It's a pretty unique space. Um, but, uh, so that's what I've been busying myself with over the past five weeks. How about you guys? I've been going to the beach, man. I uh, I had a, a lighter than usual August, so I spent, was able to finally actually spend a lot of time at the beach, went to a lake for a week, um, just kind of actually doing the... You know, I feel like we talk a lot on this show about taking time off and never actually get around to it. So for the first time in as long as I remember, I totally guilt-free took some time off, and it was actually... Very, very nice. I mean, that sounds awesome, especially the, the, the little throw-in that you put at the end, guilt-free. That's the yes. that's the trick. Yes. 
Yeah, and and speaking of guilt, uh, some some interesting news happened while we were gone uh, in the industry that I th- that I feel needs some clarification. Did you guys hear about the the uh, whipped cream ban allegedly that came through? <laughs> um, it's not a ban. They just raised the uh, age limit to to purchase right um, to twenty one here in the state of New York. Yes. Well, I, I, it was interesting because I was kind of combing through the news. I was just like, gee, you know, because it was the same thing. I was like, Jesus, we've been off the air for five weeks. Like five weeks is either, uh, you know, a blink of the eye or an eternity, depending on how you're thinking about it. And especially these days. And I was like, what's happened in the news? And I was reading about this. And apparently, I feel like this needs to be clarified because it's not getting talked about enough. Apparently, the ban is only on whipped cream, like the CO2 canisters. Yeah, yeah, of course. That's yeah. The, uh, yeah. It's, it's, you know, misuse. Uh, non-intended non use uh, is what they're fear, fearing, you know? Well, no, no, that's what I'm saying. It's not, you can still buy Ready Whip if you're a 16-year-old. You just can't buy the canisters that are just the gas, like for like an ISI whipper. Ah, uh, are you yeah. sure about that? Because the yeah. hubbub was all about whipped cream. Yeah. <laughs> but the, not, well, the, not cream whippers, which is, you know, the, I guess I could see the obvious... Uh, um, mistake there yeah, the, the hubbub is because you know you and initially i weren't the only ones to make that mistake apparently a bunch of uh bodega owners across the state and i'm sure you know uh, owners of grocery stores as well didn't want to get busted by having the cops send mm. in you know undercover 16 year olds to pick up some whipped cream to make like a key lime pie or some shit mm. so they just stopped selling them to kids but that's still allowed so I that's feel, yeah, I feel as a public service announcement from the speakeasy, we should say, if you're listening to this and you're a bodega owner, you can still sell whipped cream to teenagers. And everyone, if you're every, a teenager, you can still buy it. Yeah, everyone's powerfully aware that the place to get your hard-hitting news is the speakeasy on of Heritage Radio Network. Of course. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> but I'm happy to hear that. that, uh, that uh, and I'm also, you know, it's going to be out there forever. It's going to be out there like, you know, absinthe. It's just going to be myth and lore, and people are going to be, oh, you can't, you can't send your kid in to buy the whipped cream. It's got to be 21. Yeah, it's going to go on forever. It's just going to make whipped cream cooler, frankly. Yeah, well, it's going to make it's going to make kids realize at a younger age that there's something to it. You know, <laughs> that's true. <laughs> you want to make something delicious? Prohibit it. Yes. Right? <laughs> yeah. This is I blame uh, banning of uh, flavored tobacco. You know, this is what happens when you ban flavored tobacco. People, you know, it's, it's this crazy spiral into like <laughs> this culinary high. I don't know. It's weird. Yeah. Um, but. Actually, I mean, I, I saw that and I kind of thought it was like an April Fool's Day post or something. I was like, oh, wait, this is real news. Huh. Okay. <laughs> I can I, easily I mean, see. I was high on whippets at the time, so it was yeah. hard for me to <laughs> really understand. Whoa, 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 whoa. I can easily see, I can easily see the, the confusion there. Um, but uh, but, but I, I can't believe that journalists who are real journalists, not us, didn't go out and do their due diligence to make sure that they were reporting the correct news. I feel, I feel as if the reporting has just been about the fact that like people are suddenly getting turned away trying to buy this stuff. And I feel like that's it, it ignores the fact you have to sort of read below the fold. I actually got this on Eater and not out of, a, you know, the, the local paper, the New York Times. But, <laughs> uh, yeah, you have to read below the fold to be like, it's not actually illegal. But really all this is, is going to do, as you said, is going to make teenagers look at it and be like, wait a minute, you can you can get high from whipped cream? Right. <laughs> exactly. You've, you've really now just opened every teenager's eyes to this thing that they may or may not have discovered through, through some time. Yeah. So if, if, you're, if you're 16, don't do Whippets, kids. But also, you shouldn't be listening to this show anyway because, yeah. you, you'd be, <laughs> because we're bad, bad examples. 
uh, not role models here on the show. But uh, yeah, we this do. Is, this is already a great segue. I can see what's coming. <laughs> oh man, good one. How, however, thank you, thank you. I was working. I went to Segway Camp uh, while we were on break. <laughs> Summer really, Segway Camp. Yeah, working on working on my new material here. Uh, if you do want to enjoy something that is uh, delicious and uh, refreshing and not bad for you and zero percent alcohol, boy, do we have a guest for you in the studio with us today is Claire Matern, the founder and owner of Joni, which is a new 0% RTD. Claire, what's up? How are you? Hey, thank you. Uh, I feel like I also went to Segway Camp, and I was picturing riding Segways on that, too. <laughs> uh, thank you guys for having me. So happy to have you in the studio. Um, so let's talk a little bit about what got you into the into the world of creating not only an RTD, but an RTD that is mark- you're planning to market this as specifically non-alcoholic, right? I mean, yeah. if you if you're just making an RTD that's non-alcoholic, you're you're just Coca-Cola, but they don't market themselves as specifically non-alcoholics. What what what's taking you down this path? What's the philosophy? Yeah, so a few things. The the whole idea too of wanting it to not feel non-alcoholic and really making it for people who don't drink alcohol. I want this to be something that is enjoyed however you want it to be enjoyed. So really tapping into that idea of it's it's a great drink on its own, or it can be elevated, it can be mixed, it can be made as a mixer with something that's alcoholic, or you can have it as is or with a non-alcoholic spirit, however that, however you want to use it. Um, and it really kind of came around multiple avenues of my life, I feel, kind of converged uh, in creating it. But mostly it was also inspired by the fact that my mom and other family members and friends of mine are not drinking anymore for multiple different reasons. Um, my mom specifically is a, a histamine intolerance, so she can't have anything that has any sort of fermentation or she really has to watch that. Um, so wanting something that she can enjoy that feels elevated but isn't packed with sugar and is more exciting than a seltzer. Um, so that was one of the biggest inspirations for sure. Wow. And I, I, just to, I, I want to quickly segue. That's got to be a for that's got to be a tough um, family to cook for, given that you come from a, a cheese making family. And I know that there's a lot. I don't know nearly as much about making cheese as I do about making booze. But does that is there a crossover there? Yeah, well, yeah. She definitely has to watch how much cheese she eats and what kind. And you know, even as a a, a reformed non drinker now, that took many years of her in her journey of her life of, oh, you know, uh, I get headaches now if I drink white wines. I'll just drink red wine. Oh, and now I get headaches from that. I'll, I'll just drink uh, bubbly and, and champagnes. And, you know, and then it was like, oh, no, I really got to stop. So um, that was a big journey for her and kind of being around that and, and seeing too, as you said, Greg, like food and, and drink has been so important in my family life and my career growing up and everything is wanting to make her but make anyone still feel involved um and not feel like an other because i feel like so much of so much of food you know i grew up in specialty food people think it's not for them and mm. that's always been a mission of my dad's and in my career in the past too is wanting anyone to make make them feel that specialty food can be enjoyed by them and it's made for them and actually so much of what's called quote unquote specialty was just made out of necessity. You know, so much of cheese and charcuterie and all of this was made because it was preserving. <laughs> you know, nothing mm-hmm. is supposed to be high elevation, you know, put on a pedestal. This was like 
farmer food. This is, you know, this was just the makings of food to be kept and stored. Um, and then things got quote unquote fancy. Um, so I never wanted anyone to feel like they're an other when, when eating or drinking. And that's, and that's something that's really, um, come a long way when, when we're talking about the non-alcoholic space, because even like, you know, five years ago, if someone wasn't drinking it'd be like, okay, well, here's a tonic water off the gun, I suppose. <laughs> Do you think mm-hmm. you want to drink right, six with a, with a line a in there? So you look like you're, you know, having a gin tonic or what have you. Mm-hmm. Right. I remember those days I would, I would lean over the bar and just say, uh, uh, your friend of bills and you know, the, the answer would come, uh, you know, referring to Alcoholics Anonymous. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and yeah, it would just be like a, a little mask, something they could hold in their hands so they could feel like no one was aware that 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 needle has moved quite a great distance from there. Totally. Yeah, huge. But then I also think, too, there is still so much to go with it because, you know, once you get into sort of like, you know, even just, you know, we're coming out of the summer season now. So, you know, summer barbecues and there have been so many times where if you don't want to drink or, you know, aren't drinking, a lot of times still it's like, oh, here's a LaCroix, you know, here's a, here's a seltzer. (laughs) Uh, And I know so many people who are like, I don't want to feel like that person or like, you know, having to take from like the kid's bucket at the, you know, at the barbecue and, you know, all that kind of stuff. Yeah. Well, John, John Mulaney has a bit about that, that I love where it's like, he's like, yeah, every time I go to a barbecue and I tell people I don't drink, they're like, I think I have some rotten celery in the fridge (laughs) or that, will that work for you? Cause I know you don't drink. Um, yeah. So what what does talk to us a little bit about? Don't don't give away the the secret recipe and the special sauce, obviously. But talk to us about what does make yours better than a piece of old celery in the fridge by by a by a substantial margin. What is the what goes into Joni? Yeah. So the excitement thing, the exciting thing for me too with Joni is that it taps into that that life that I grew up in of wanting to share. A, not the unexpected, but kind of the overlooked or or things that you know maybe not everyone knows about. So the base ingredient of Joni is verjus, and it's one of these things that has been around for millennia, and you know very few people really know about it. You, unless you're in the industry, do you really know or use verjus? And it's one of these things that's like, oh, you know, let's let's tap into this. It's it's been drunk for hundreds of years. It's been a a great alternative to things. It's not just your bog standard grape juice. It's not it's wine adjacent, but it's not wine. It's kind of this great thing that has its own identity and hasn't really been, in my opinion, tapped into that much. Um, Can you just so, for our audience kind of describe exactly what verjou is? Oh sure. So yes, verjou is the uh, essentially kind of the first pressing of a grape's life. They're the um, but it's the grapes that are culled from the vines before the wine harvest. Um, I always say to kind of give the other grapes a little more elbow room. Um, so the grapes that will be used for wine, they get to hang out longer and get those sugars infused and get to kind of spread their wings a bit more. Um, and the grapes that are culled from the vines about six to eight weeks before that uh, are then pressed into verjou. So it, it means green juice, quite literally. It's a it's a very bright, tart, um, unfermented uh, juice. Right, because those grapes are, frankly, they're unripe. They haven't gotten the chance to become sweet, so that juice is quite tart. Exactly, yeah. And and in culinary 
ways it's been used as either a wine or vinegar substitute. Um, and often it's used as a, a dressing addition or to deglaze pans or for other sauces. Um, but it's also been used as a drink and there are records that go back to the Middle Ages that talk about it as a, a drink. And I know too that people who work in vineyards, um, it's often kind of what's used by the the locals or, or the people who are even working the vines because you know it's, it's still a great product. It shouldn't be wasted. Um, so it's kind of more used on like a, a homemade or, or family type of level versus a, a larger commercial level. Well, I imagine it was also useful too for the significant chunk of human history when you wanted to avoid drinking water, but you know, you maybe yeah. want to walk around totally hammered all day. Mm-hmm. I yep. got to tell you, it's been like over a hundred degrees out here in West Marin County, California this week. And I, it's, serendipitous that we're talking about this because I was actually cooking out by myself, got a new grill. It's what I've been doing for the last five weeks. Um, nice. But the uh, the thing was like, I don't, I don't know. I, I still drink quite a bit these days, but it's not as much as I used to when I was living in New York. But I, I can tell you this. I hate being drunk when it's over hundred degrees outside, yeah. which yes. like Swamping. I started noticing, <laughs> especially being at like tales of the cocktail and it's like super humid and super hot. It's like, I just started feeling kind of gross whenever I was like having too much to drink. And so I was actually making spritzes with Verjou earlier this week. Amazing. It was just like so refreshing. And when you think about like what shrubs were made for, you know, Mm because you said you mentioned Mm -hmm. that there was like a wine or vinegar substitute, you know, that acidity and the refreshing kind of aspects of it, like really helped you like continue to toil in the fields, you know, all day in the hot summer sun. So kind of felt like I was going back to some kind of old timey, like farm steading something. Yes. I know, it was, yeah. But it shrubs, was so, switch all, all that. Yeah, exactly. So like, I don't, like to me, it's always been a, a fun thing to have around for cocktails, but even just like on the simple, just clean, the cleanliness of it is something that I really was going for that day. And uh, yeah. So like, I love, I love that, that you kind of like called back to the culinary side of like being used for vinegar. Kind of like it took me right there and I didn't feel gross, especially, you know, when I was just sweating through my shirt. But uh, it was, yeah, well, and that, <laughs> it was awesome. that's definitely the feeling of uh, July and August here in the city, too. My God, it was so yeah. swampy. But you're, you hit the nail on the head there, too, where it, it just feels bright and fresh. I, you know, it feels a little tagline y, but I always just feel like, after a night of sipping on Joni's or, you know, even mixing it or whatever, but it, because it's this bright tart drink itself, but because you don't feel gross at the end of it, you know, the evening really kind of ends on a high note there. Like you, it mm-hmm. ends with the high note taste and it, and it isn't going down and hill and, and messy <laughs> after you have a few of them. Yeah. And you, you're not like, <laughs> especially in the, the heat of the summer, you're not sweating out all the alcohol the next day, yes. which is like probably the worst thing in the world. Um, yeah, I was going to say, I think that that's probably what you don't like the most about drinking when it's hot is the next day. The next day, mm-hmm. yeah. But then you're drinking that day, too, so you associate it with the drinking. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but it's really just all the drinking from yesterday that you're now wearing on that sweat-soaked shirt. Yeah. Uh, it's your new uh, scent. Um, well, I think this is a good spot for us to take a quick break and hear from our sponsors. We're going to come right back and keep talking to uh, Claire Martin uh, about Joni uh, Verjou based RTDs. Let's uh, let's take a quick break. We'll be right back.
818 Tequila creates their tequila using traditional methods at a family-owned and operated distillery in Jalisco, Mexico. 818 is created from fully matured blue agave from the Los Altos and Valles regions of tequila. It is then slow cooked for over 30 hours, extracted using traditional Tejona wheels, distilled twice in copper pot stills, and aged in American and French oak barrels. Their tequilas have received over 25 blind tasting awards. They strive for excellence in every sip. 818's Blanco is sweet and smooth, with undertones of tropical and citrus fruits. Their Reposado is soft and balanced, with notes of caramel and vanilla. And their Añejo is elegant and velvety, with crisp herbal notes and a warm vanilla finish. Visit drink818.com to learn more about their tequila and find it near you. 818 Tequila, imported by 818 Spirits, Manhasset, New York. 40% alcohol by volume. Drink responsibly. And we are back. You're listening to The Speakeasy here on Heritage Radio Network. Today we're talking with Claire Matern, who is the founder and CEO of Joni, which is a Verjou-based 0% ABV RTD. And before we were talking a little bit about what Verjou is and its history and how it's criminally underrated, but I'd really kind of love to talk about something that has fascinated me over the past, you know, two and a half years since the before times, which is the pretty meteoric rise of the level of sophistication, but also the awareness of NA drinks and trying to make, uh, you know, beverages for people who, for whatever reason, don't drink, not suck. And I'm, I feel like I'm either incredibly right or incredibly wrong about the way that history is going to go. Like I remember in 2015 saying, I think Donald Trump is going to be the next president and everyone telling me I was insane. And I remember in the summer of 2018, trying my first White Claw and saying, this is the stupidest fucking thing I've ever had. No one's going to buy this. So I, I take big cuts is what I'm saying. But I never would have predicted after the crappy, very isolated year of 2020 that what would be a big trend to watch coming out of that would be this sophisticated NA space. I would have thought everybody would have been dying to you know go out and get buzzed around people. And there's a place for that, obviously. But I'm really – I'm going to go out and say pleasantly surprised at this – desire and this awareness to create beverages to make mindful not drinking a viable alternative. And I was wondering if the, how much that sort of informed you and if that's, if that's something that you've been watching as well. Definitely, 100%. And it was even part of one of the first and biggest pivots that I took um, with creating the drink. It did start out as being um, a low APV um, because I enjoy a drink. Um, but also part of the pivot was realizing that, you know, I was, I was probably imbibing a little too much during the lockdowns and everything. And I was a front facing worker at that point and working at the family cheese shop and dealing with people and kind of being on a high level anxiety of wondering when I was going to get this thing, uh, the whole time. And so was helping myself to a couple gins a night and realizing actually that shouldn't be, habit. Um, so, and then with doing more research and realizing more and more and talking to customers more and more too, if how habits were changing and, and realizing, you know, we, we can't go down the slippery slope of, 
a couple gins a night collectively. Um, and then actually seeing too, just having grown up in the small retail space of Brooklyn food and seeing more stores open up that are specialty stores that deal in non-alcoholics. It's cool. It's cool to see what people are, are wanting and, and still wanting that experience of going into a liquor store or a bar, but knowing that they can have really cool, sophisticated, fun, varied palettes, but it just doesn't have alcohol in it. That's super interesting. And I, I wonder if this is, I'm, I'm going to, I'm going to toss an idea at you that I don't even know if it, what the validity is here, but it's been something I've been, I've been thinking about and reading about a lot, which is this notion that uh, the, the kids these days, I refuse to buy into the millennial versus Gen Z culture war bullshit. I, mm-hmm. I absolutely refuse. We're all on the same team here, guys, solidarity. But one thing that I've been reading about that I think is really interesting is that people that are in their late teens and early 20s, there is a very interesting almost kind of streak of social conservatism mm-hmm. in them. You know, I mean, when we were when we were, you know, when, when I was their age, the the way to be cool was definitely like, you know, go out, party, meet people, hook up, you know, like I was be, drinking Georgie in the park. Like, yes. Yeah, exactly. Like day <laughs> drinking is cool. Like eight hour brunches. Like, you know, be be a flaming dumpster fire because that's, you know, you're only young once and the world's going to hell. And, mm-hmm. you know, maybe it still is, but it's interesting that the pendulum has kind of swung the other way. And I'm wondering if that's something that you know that you said you were talking to a lot of customers. I I was just wondering if, you know, you were talking to people who were a bit younger who were yeah. saying, actually, you know what? I don't really I I don't enjoy getting drunk at eleven AM. Thank you very much. I would prefer an alternative. I think that's exactly it. And I've talked to people in the age brackets of what would be Gen Z. Um and they have really said that they're like, yeah, you know, maybe I'll drink you know, a couple times a month for, and I'm like, so wait, when you go out with friends, like, what do you do then? Like, you know, like I'm I'm like, wow, maybe, maybe they're onto something. Um, (laughs) and then when it's on a, you know, if you really start thinking level three and pulling back, it's like, maybe for them, it is the fact that it is such a big dumpster fire right now that they're like, let me not be a dumpster fire too. Like I actually need to be like in control of, you know, of of myself a little bit more and, and be a little bit more, aware of what's going on versus us when we were kind of just like, let's, let's be a mess. I think it all comes down to social, like your, your, what you need socially and uh, the attention that people inherently need. Right. So Mm -hmm. it's like things have changed. You know, most people are on their screens all day. They've created other worlds for themselves and they don't, you know, don't really need alcohol to be social in a lot of ways that, that's the only way we could do it back in the day, you know, or for a long time. That's such a good point. Yeah. And so like, I mean, to me, that's something that a lot of us who are, you know, come from the culture of, of drinking and going out and partying when we're like in our twenties and all that stuff. It's like when we hit COVID, it was like, it kind of showed us like we were still starving for attention and like friends and social behaviors and (laughs) everything. But, but we, we kind of showed ourselves that, okay, we didn't need as much as, we were getting before. And I think that's kind of like changed the way that people think like not going out to bars, for instance, I think a lot of people connected on just different levels, you know, that mm-hmm. people have been friends for a long time, you know, like all of a sudden they're like, like, you know what? I'm just going to sit here and work on this playlist and then share it with a few of my really close friends. And then that's what I'm going to work on now. And I don't need to be out drinking. And you know, like, 
And it, also being stuck at home drinking, it kind of made us <laughs> all check ourselves as well. We're like, yeah. God damn, this is depressing. <laughs> yeah. Um, <There's> that. <laughs> yes. Yeah. So I don't know. There's, there's a that. lot of, I would agree with you, Damon. I think, uh, you know, specifically in my life, Todd, my best friend, Todd and I, um, we, we now still, since the pandemic's, you know, on its, uh, hopefully on the tail of it, um, uh, we still meet at his house uh, at least once a week and cook, you know, whereas normally that would have been, let's go get super fucked up. You know, it's our night off. Um, so I think, you know, just those kind of things changed as well. Yeah. I think it, it's almost like a, a quality over quantity argument with that mm-hmm. as well. It's, you know, right. it, it's, it's being more present with who you are with and, and what you're doing and, and what you are enjoying. Um, so that's what I, I've, one of the that's biggest ones to me with all this is fucking shots. Like I like I don't do shots anymore because there's like there's no reason to. And mm-hmm. I think that was like a huge social like big time icebreaker. Like you know like a communal you know celebratory kind of thing. But like you know it's like I realize how much better I feel not taking shots throughout the entire night because you'd be like oh man why do I feel so bad today I only had like four drinks but yeah you had. Six shots too, and you just didn't count them because you know they weren't a fancy cocktail. Because they go down, they go down so fast. Yeah, Yeah. six hard, six hard starts throughout the evening. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) Mm -hmm. But anyway, Uh, I would also like I I would throw in this, and I don't know that anyone here today would have have any kind of answer, but I'm curious if are we as a nation kind of growing up, you know, look at the rest of the world, especially Europe. They don't have so, such stigma laid upon drinking. They, they start drinking at a very young age, you know, at the, at the table drinking wine, uh, their, their legal age is 18 instead of 21. It's not such a, a big finish line for them to cross when they turn 18 to go out and party like, like it is here when we turn 21. I'm curious if that, you know, if that culture is kind of seeping over our way. Just yeah, observer, I think that's a really good point. Really. Yeah, I, I mean, I I lived in Switzerland as a kid, and um, you know, from fourteen on, when you're at a restaurant with your family, you get offered a glass of wine, and from sixteen on, you can order beer and wine whenever you're out, um, and then eighteen is everything else. Um, and not, I mean, I definitely know people who have party hard, but you do. It's just more part of your life, um, and I think that really has something to say for it. Well, I think also, and again, I, I'm I'm just I'm deeply fascinated by generational theory, and I wonder if maybe people that were kids in like the '90s and the aughts, because that was sort of the rise of like you know, look at the scary things teens are doing now. I wonder if maybe it was this, you know, it was this mythical substance. That's kind of how I remember it. When like you know, you were 16 and a friend got hypnotic and being like, "Whoa, what is this?" And I feel like maybe, perhaps, perhaps we have we have done a service to the people that came after us by so vigorously watering the gardens of our youth with all of that cheap, <laughs> cheap booze that it's now you know we've we we have in a way our biggest contribution was making that uncool. <laughs> yeah. I I always feel deeply uncool when I'm with younger people. So yes. Yes. I think they're kind of like, what did, why are you doing that? That's what, that's what I feel like they always say when they look at me. And, I know. And, maybe and, the, and the, the answer, the answer is always because I'm a cool person. That's why I'm doing it. Uh, yeah. I, I'm going the opposite direction. I'm headed down old man road. I, I look at every younger person than me and think you're not cool. Yeah, which is <laughs> get a haircut, you hippie. You're not cool. Get off my lawn. <laughs> Let's get back um, to Joni. 
Yeah, uh, yeah. yeah. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> We're all just going to start having existential crisis now. Yeah. Yes. I, I can see like, where this well, is Well, th- thanks for tuning into the speaking. I hope we made you feel old today. <laughs> yeah. Um, so wait, on the during the break, Souther, you were saying something about Joni and the kind of like the the idea that a lot of places when you go to order a non-alcoholic drink, you get something that's seltzer based. Can you kind of like bring that into sure, uh, sure, into uh, yeah, Joni. When we were off the air, I was talking to you about how my partner Natalie she um uh she also considers bubbles. She she calls seltzer pain water. And she doesn't drink. <laughs> mm-hmm. uh, so when we go out and, you know, she's with me and people recognize me and they want to make me drink, they want to make her a drink and she requests something non-alcoholic, I would say in the high percentages, it's got to be literally up probably in the 90s that someone, that whatever it is that lands in front of her is, has got seltzer in it. So yeah. I was asking off the air if your product is uh, is seltzer based and you were saying... Yeah, so it it has a, a light effervescence to it, you know... Um, I've worked in the past as a recipe developer and growing up in food too, you're always conscious about mouthfeel and texture. And, you know, I didn't want something to just fall flat, especially because it's in a can. And I know there are things that are flat that are in cans, but it also is such a signal to people that if it comes in a can, it they're expecting bubbles. So right. you don't want to, you don't want to literally fall flat and be like, what is this? Has this gone off? What's going on here? Um, so I definitely wanted a, a texture and, and a, fizziness, but um, it's definitely more of a soft bubble. It's effervescent over bubbly for sure. Um, because I've, I've heard the same things and I've, I've talked about it with other people and a lot of people too, who have never, you know, just drinking isn't part of their lives. They're always confronted with carbonated drinks and they're like, you know, it makes you feel bloated and it makes you feel gassy. And especially if it's like a cocktail hour, it's like, you know, you're sipping on this carbonated drink the whole time. And by the time you get to dinner, you're you're feeling kind of full and you feel uncomfortable. And um, yeah, it just kind of has that. And then I think too, it's like associated more with like a soda or, uh, you know, more, you know, drinks that, uh, you know, a kid would have. It, it They they want still that level of sophistication. They're, you know, they're adults. They want an adult drink um, and not to feel full up on the bubbles. How much R&D did you have to put into the, the consistency and the mouthfeel of this? I feel like this would have been, I don't know. I, I know you obviously know more about starting an RTD company than I do because you have and I have not. <laughs> but I, I wonder when you were shopping around for for people that could do this at, at the scale that you needed and wanted, and you were obviously and and necessarily and rightly very specific about the way the bubbles were, did it take you a long time to find someone who wasn't just like, yeah, 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 whatever, and that would just pop it through a soda stream? Actually, no. I mean, what's kind of great about that is, yeah, you know, I was uh, home RTD was me and my soda stream, <laughs> but um, <laughs> and, you know, figuring out what the perfect amount of like blitzes are. Um, but what's great is talking to the people that I'm going to be working with too. They're 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 fun about it because it's like, yeah, it's a science, but it's also a little bit of an art form. And so, it's like, how do you finding that balance? And you know, but there really is a scale. Um, of, you know, I think Coke and, you know, conventional sodas kind of, I think they're at like a, a five on the scale. And so it's, you know, but, and then there are things that are more, or maybe Coke's three. Yeah. You know, there is a scale and, and it's all about finding like that perfect number on that scale. Um, and that was all fun. That was part of the, the R and D. So what is Joni's number on the scale? You know, I, 
should know that. <laughs> um, and and actually, that's that's sort of something that's going to still happen with my factor in Copacker is because um, there are some numbers that are in like the batch sheets from the formulator, but then when it gets to when it gets to the guy who's going to be doing it at, at scale, uh, we know that we're going to even play around with that uh, on the production line. Let's, I mean, let's talk about that. Let's talk about scale in the the production line. What was what was that like? Bringing it down to finish to uh, to to launch date, which is when again, Claire? Well, today is the launch of the Kickstarter, which is going to get me to that production. So I've been ah, telling okay. people I am I am ready to press go. Um, I have my suppliers waiting in the wings, and I'm like, cool. Let me get that money to pay you. Um, so lead times are about six weeks. Production can happen by early December, all going according to plan, um, with the idea that with pre-orders opening today, shipping out so you'd have it in time for holiday sipping. So ready for Christmas, Hanukkah, New Year's, all that. Um, but it's been exciting to find people and realizing too, finding people who know that this is, you know, this is a start of something. And I, you know, I wasn't ready to, you know, crank out 10,000 gallons or anything. So um, finding a co-packer who's uh, a, sort of a an incubator of sorts um, mm-hmm. and doing a, a minimum, minimum run, minimal minimum run. Um, and so being able to do around the 1,000 gallon mark um, and of both SKUs, and that's going to be about 8,000 cans per SKU. Um, so the first production will, will give me 16,000 cans of this. So... That'll be exciting to get out with pre-orders and then introducing it to other shops and restaurants and bars in the area to start with. Yeah, that's. I think that's a that's the best business model in my opinion is, mm-hmm. is slow growth. You want to have like a long continuous burn, not just flame out. Yeah. Um, let's talk a little bit about uh, the can itself, can size, uh, and then I want to talk about the, t- the name, Joni. Where does that come from? Yeah. So the can size, it's an 8.4 or 250 mil. Um, so a nice slim, slender uh, can that either looks nice and substantial when you have it as is in the can, or you can top it off or elevate it with other things. So I didn't want a 12 ouncer. I was really kind of hemming and hawing about that about 16 months ago and realizing that, you know, 12 ounce cans, a, a lot of liquid there. So um, it's kind of nice to have that more sophisticated, smaller feeling of the 8.4 ounce. Well, sure, especially if Plus you're going to stay cold. Yeah, yeah, exact that too. But especially if you're going to, well, you, if you're Damon Volta, you got a koozie and you got one in your pocket for your friend. Um, <laughs> but especially uh, if you're going to like pour this into, say, I don't know, a, a, a tumbler with some ice or even a wine glass, or, mm-hmm. or you know, like to elevate its sheer, um, you know, hand feel and, and appearance. Um, you know, I don't, I don't expect that. Maybe unless, unless you're at the beach, it doesn't seem like the kind of thing you're just going to crack and drink from the can. You're going to put it in a glass, right? Yeah, that's that's the goal. Um, the idea of having it in the can is something good if you want it at a backyard barbecue or, you know, I, I have friends with boats and they should bring me on them more often. But, you know, if you're on a boat or a, or a back, you know, anything like that, <laughs> a can a comes in handy. Yeah, or a subway. Or, um, you know, actually, I, I did a lot of hiking this weekend and it's kind of fun to bring something on a hike and crack it open at the end of it kind of thing. Um, but otherwise, yeah, it's great for a pouring into a tumbler or a highball or a nice big wine glass or anything like that. Right. And then Joni, where did, where did the name come from? Yeah. So Joni came from, um, a lot of brainstorming and the idea came with off the heels of a great conversation with a friend who 
said, you know, think of, think of firsts. Like you want this to be uh, the first drink of someone's evening and, you know, maybe it's a, a woman's name or, you know, think, think of like what this evokes in people's minds or what they're going to be using it for. And I kind of ran on that. And then the idea too of, you know, the fact that Verjou is this long, overlooked, super deeply rooted in history though. And, and so I was thinking, you know, and, and it's doing something completely different than it's ever been used for, or, you know, it's really starting to explore the idea of what is something that's deeply rooted in history, but kind of turned it on its head. So it actually at that point sparked something that's just become kind of a, a family shorthand joke in my family, which is, um, it's from the 2,000-year-old man, Mel Brooks, where he goes, you know, I'll do the dishes, you go save France. And it's when he was talking about his love affair with Joan of Arc, and he would say, oh, Joni. So I thought, oh, Joan, oh, you know, she was, <laughs> wow, Joan of Arc, you know, she kind of took history and flipped it on its head. And then I was like, wow, and then, you know, Joan Rivers did the same in comedy, and Joan Didion in writing, and Joni Mitchell, and Joan Baez and Joan Jet, like they're all these amazing pioneering Jones. <laughs> and then I was talking, and people are like, "Wow, my grandma was like kind of crazy, and she's called Joan." I'm like, "God, you know, I think there's something about this <laughs> this name. That, you know, Jones are really spirited, and Jones are history making and pioneering." And uh, so, yeah, it came from that. It came from all these really cool women in history. <laughs> That's awesome. A great story. I need you to promote that more. I looked at your Instagram page. I didn't see that anywhere. <laughs> I know, I know. We're gonna we're, we're pushing hard. It's all it's on the Kickstarter though. All that history and um yeah, I'm definitely gonna be going down the uh, the Joan uh, rabbit hole on Instagram. Introduce all the Jones throughout history. Nice. Jonah Day calendar. Jonah Day calendar. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, that's pretty incredible. Um, I can't wait to get my hands on some of this stuff. Um, the Kickstarter launches today, uh, which will get you to production. Do you have any small batch production to get out to, uh, wink, wink, nod, nod journalists, um, uh, <laughs> or, or, you know, those of us who'd like to try it or, or have our partners try it? That is definitely, that's been kind of a, um, a chicken or egg situation for sure. me is, um, how do I get this out without doing a production run? And, um, so nothing at the moment, but you will be first in line. <laughs> All right. That, that's fair. Yeah. Very cool. Yeah, I can't wait to try it. I'm sure it's going to be better than than my Verjou spritz that I just slapped together on Monday. And, uh, <laughs> and you know, okay, and I say this all the time about RTDs. You can crush the can on your forehead when you're done. You know, like, <laughs> what's what's more party time than that? Exactly. <laughs> if you get all the all the decadence without any of the buzz, what 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 more do you need? Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. Well, this has been a lot of fun. I, I really appreciate the fact that we have had quite a few um, guests on recently uh, over this year that uh, have been dabbling in the non-alcoholic spirits or low ABV. But um, but then you know, as you mentioned, there's some great. Shops, uh, especially in New York City, Boisson is one that I've been seeing a lot of. Our friend, mm -hmm. good friend, Robbie Nelson, my old roommate, actually. Uh, I know he's doing some buying for them. So I can't wait to check that place out. And I'm sure that we'll be able to find Joni at least there, right? Yeah. Um, yeah, they have two locations now, too. They're yeah. really growing. Yeah, they're killing it. So, yeah, very cool. Well, thanks for being on the show today. Oh, and man, thank you guys for having me. Yeah, can't wait to get to check it out. And yeah, like, every, like we said, everyone go check out Joni. Um, the website is drinkjoni, that's J-O-N-I, 
com, and you can get on the Kickstarter train and help move this thing forward. Yes, thank Sounds you good. so much. Yeah, pretty yeah, exciting, pretty exciting stuff, Claire. Uh, we'll we'll put all that in the show notes as well as uh, um, uh, the Drink Joni Instagram, which is just just as it is, D R I N K J O N I on Instagram. Uh, if anyone wants to follow your shenanigans, I guess they can find you at Claire uh, Matern, C-L-A-I-R-E-M-A-T-E-R-N on Instagram as well. Uh, and keep track of that Kickstarter, which you'll be pumping and promoting, and we'll gladly pump and promote it for you as well uh, to get you to a place where we can taste the product. Yes. Thank you, guys. That's awesome. Can't wait to get into your hands, as I said. Can't wait to drink it. Yes. <laughs> over over ice, because I'm sophisticated. Oh, yeah. <laughs> <That's right. laughs> Tall stemmed glass. Indeed. You're fancy. <laughs> well, cool. That's it for the Speakeasy this week. Check out Joni. Check out Heritage Radio Network for many more programs like this one. Until next week, cheers, everyone. Cheers, everybody. Cheers. So you don't shun the devil with your rock and roll. The Speakeasy is powered by Simplecast. Thanks for listening to Heritage Radio Network. Food and drink radio supported by you. Keep in touch at heritageradionetwork.org slash subscribe.